Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Firstly, guys, welcome. It's so lovely to have you with us. Rachel, you too. It's great that you can be with us this morning. What a privilege it is to meet and to chat through some of the vision for the year. And Shanae, I said that there's a calendar. There's some big rocks for us as a church that are very important. And we'll be sharing some of those details as we go closer to the time. But just some of them, 28th of April at Glenridge, we're going to have a city celebration with Tyron. Tyron heads up the NCMI team. So that's the... The apostolic partnership that we have is part of, of NCMI. Shanae and I serve on that apostolic team. And we've got Tyron coming. That's a great opportunity for us to get together and see what we're a part of on a larger scale as well. So Tyron will come and just share a little bit of where we're going as churches that partner with NCMI globally, what's happening. But that's at Glenridge Church on the 28th of April. And then uh, we've got Equip, which is on the 26th to the 28th of September. I know this is way in advance, but it's important for us to know these things because that's two days where we get together. Once again, we'll be joining up with the coastal side at Glenridge. And at that, we're going to get together and there's unity in the equipping so that we're going in the same direction. And, and with all of us, we want to be heading in a direction where we show unity in what we're doing. And that's a great time for us to be equipped as, see, Shanae's got something to add. Yeah, it's just, I just think it's a great wild thing to be at. The messages are just so on point and so it like just blows your face. So, um, and you get to listen to someone other than me. So. That's also true, which, which is always beneficial. But, but it's, it's, it's seriously, we get some really incredibly gifted people that come in that we get exposure to who have such life in what they're doing. I mean, even this last week, we were at Glenridge for uh, once a month, the NCMI pastors get together and we had such an encouraging message on Thursday last week. And it was great to be there and just, just to experience what God is doing is an amazing thing. So that being said though, JCD, come quickly. I want you to share your prophetic picture that you had with the pillars and churches in this area. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, many of you know, um, I was an encounter church leader before the name came down, which was uh, before COVID. Now Belido City Church. Yeah, now Belido City Church. <laughs> and um, we were having a, a prayer meeting, just like we're going to be doing this week. Um, we're having a prayer meeting early one Thursday morning, and God just gave me a picture of, you know, that, that saying there's so many churches in our region. And I saw uh, pillars. You, you know when contractors are doing piling, they, they're putting piling in the ground. And I saw each pile being a different church, each pillar being a different church. And what they do when you pile is they go through the soft soil to get to the hard rock and, and, and anger it's the building into the rock. And we know that rock is Jesus. And going into God our rock around the soft soil, but not just <clears> these <throat> pillars, but these pillars have been put in place to, to hold a greater foundation. Um, and that foundation is this. The people in our region actually aren't scary. God is busy putting the pillars in place so we can throw, so He can throw that foundation when, when the time is right. And those pillars being joined to Christ and with this foundation on the top is actually the unity that God calls us to as churches in our region. Um, you know, we, we look at this video, I'm not going into too many details and all of that, but I truly believe. Adventure Church, Belita City Church, Co Church, uh, Freedom House, a whole bunch of us who are part of this region. Actually, we, we, we're holding up something with a full load is still to come. We actually exist for the people who, who aren't even here yet. So, yeah. <laughs> and the reason I wanted John to share that is... Just when we speak about vision, it's important that we know that we're not in competition with other local churches here. 
our responsibility is to carry the load that has been entrusted to us and to contend for them to carry the load that's been entrusted to them. And we strive for unity and we've been incredibly blessed with the community of churches in this region, which is something that I've never witnessed before. And we're not here to compete, we're here to complement. And we're here to celebrate what other people bring to the table, even though sometimes that's a different expression of what we're doing. And we have to be confident in what we bring to the table because we are unique and we are uh, unique in what God's called us to. And that's why we will be doing a series at some point during the course of this year on the seven churches in Revelation and the, what God celebrated in them and what God uh, asked them to change and the rebuke over them so that they could be refined and be more aligned with what God was doing. And for us, we've got to be careful that we've got to make sure that there's no cracks in, in our piled foundations as we carry that weight. We've got to make sure that we're stable, that we're strong, but we contend on behalf of those around us. And we're here to be united with the other churches in this region. That doesn't mean that we agree with everything, but, but we've got to be faithful to the job that God's called us to and not try and be faithful to the job that God's called them to. Uh, but, but if they're hurting, we need to hurt. If, if they're celebrating, let's celebrate with them. Let's, let's enjoy what God is, is, is doing over them. And let's hurt if they're hurting. Because that is how we as churches in this region carry this load. Like John's saying, that this slab is a united slab that's placed on individual pile foundations. And I just think that's such a beautiful prophetic picture of where we are. We are not the slab that, that has come here to kind of stabilize everything. We, we just fulfill our role. We stay in our lane. We did that series towards the, uh, the end of last year on, on mobilize. And in that, it was stay in our lane. Let's be faithful to do what God's called us to, to do. And we're going to speak through some of those things today. And I, I must be honest, I, I kind of regretted calling it Vision Sunday and not Strategy Sunday. And, and the reason for that is I think sometimes we, we give the impression that in the beginning of the year, we speak vision and the vision changes. The vision doesn't change. The vision, there might be nuances of it that changes, but the vision itself remains consistent and remains the same. And, and for us, the difference between uh, vision and strategy is if you know the destination of where you're going, but you turn on the GPS, it sometimes gives you a couple of different routes. The routes is the strategy that we're looking to get to a particular destination. Now, one of my favorite outworkings of this in scripture comes out of Joshua 5 from verse 13 to 15. Bear with me this morning. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture. I'm going to go through a lot of points. Um, I'm not expecting you to remember everything, but it's to catch the heart of what we're saying and just to get the, the gist of where we're going. We will walk together into this. And that's the role of the leadership is to lead us into the vision that God's called us to. But Joshua 5 verse 13 to 15, and it says here, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servants? And the commander of the Lord's army said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now you don't know that this is the Israelites have now gone across the Jordan. They're into the promised land and they are camping out on the, the plains in front of Jericho. And the vision was they knew that they had to occupy Jericho. That was something of the vision was occupying Jericho. Now you've got to know for Joshua, he was a soldier. When you have Moses and you have Aaron and her standing, lifting his arms up, who was fighting on the battleground? It was Joshua. He was the one that was in the battle. So Joshua, he had an understanding of a militant strategy to achieve uh, occupying Jericho. But what happens here is he encounters the commander of the Lord's army. And it's amazing how he comes with a sword drawn. So he shows a militant approach. But what was the strategy? Marching in war cries. 
praising God. And, and that was the strategy that actually brought the, the walls down. It wasn't a militant strategy. It wasn't something that was Joshua was familiar with. There was something different. And, and we've got to be careful that we don't hear a vision from God and apply an earthly strategy because that's unhelpful. We've got to hear both the vision and then we've got to apply a strategy that he's giving us so that we walk in accordance with what he's doing. And I know one thing is for sure that God operates through unorthodox strategies. So we've got to be open and ready to hear what that says. So we are Adventure Church. We're a local church. Um, the scripture that God gave me when we planted this church was Isaiah 49 verse 2. And it says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. So one of the things that God's given us, he's given us the ability to speak. He's made our mouths like a sharp sword. So God's going to give us stuff to speak and he's going to give us people to speak it to. In the shadow of his hand, he hit me. We're going to find comfort and refuge in the presence of God. And, and we're going to operate out of his presence. It says he made me a polished arrow. And the thing about a polished arrow, if you polish metal, you're going to know that it's, it's something that you do intentionally and it's something that takes time. Um, a friend of mine, he, he's a, a property developer, and, and this guy, his attention to detail is absolutely insane. So they own blocks of flats, and then they, they rent out the, the individual flats. But you go to these, uh, these clicks, and he will have the ground staff polishing the, the outside brass taps with brasso that they shine. So, so if, if there's copper, if there's brass, if there's metal, it is polished to perfection. And some of these places are not in like the most upper class areas. But for them, that's, it's the attention to detail that makes a difference. And they polish it. And I've, I've been there before and I've seen guys polishing the tap handles. And you want to know what it's like to have one of these tap handles that are now like shining. It takes time. And I think the thing for me is he made me a polished arrow is God actually works so intentionally with each one of us. Um, I was standing behind Kelly in worship and he was standing and he was rubbing Jordan's back. And, and, and as I was thinking of this scripture, that's what it reminded me of. There's an intimacy with the Father in how he polishes us. And, and there's such a beautiful picture of relationship that establishes in us for a purpose that he's busy doing it says and then it goes it says he hid me in his uh, in his quiver he hid me away so what happens is he polishes us and he prepares us for a purpose and then he releases us in his timing and i, I love the picture of an arrow because the arrow is subject to a skilled archer or a skilled marksman it, it's he's the one that controls where the arrow is going and the arrow's responsibility is to be fully surrendered to the one that's shooting them. And for us, this is a picture of the role that we play as we as a local church are hidden in his quiver. He releases us for the purposes and the plans that he has over us so that we can see his, his mission come to fulfillment. So we as the church, global church, the bride of Christ, have a general vision. And where does this come from? Well, it's called the Great Commission. And there's three passages of scripture that speak into this. I've added a fourth one that speaks into how long we do this for. But we see this in Mark 16, verse 14 to 20. And it says, After he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So this is the disciples' context of this. is Jesus is risen. He's now sitting with his disciples. And he's saying, Guys, you, I, I, I had made promises to you. And in the moment, you lost sight of that hope. And, and for me... Outside of the Great Commission, there's something where we've got to contend for church leaders. We've got to contend for believers. We've got to contend for unbelievers. And, and we've got to be a people of hope. But even the disciples in a moment of despair, when things seemed to be going in the wrong direction, got to a place where they had lost hope. And, and one of the things that I've seen recently is... The consequence of losing hope is so destructive. And, and I've seen it with guys who are involved with church leadership and things have just spiraled out of control. And I think sometimes 
when you when you're on an eldership team or when you're a church leader sometimes there's an expectation to present perfection to people because you're held in high regard guys there's no hierarchy in in christian call there's there's different responsibilities and there's the governance of elders and 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 there's a there's a responsibility that they have but there's not a hierarchy in this and and sometimes i think there's a a, a pressure for performance and and we got to lift up those around us in times where despair and hope starts to or lack of hope starts to to rise and 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 bring them back to a place where we become a hopeful people i pray that we so hope in every opportunity we get i want to be a people who speak life over our economy over our governments over our community over our people over the churches that we we connect with i want to, I want to speak life and but there are moments where we find ourselves in a place of unbelief and a place of lack of hope and we're going to lift each other up and walk through that it's just a side note but he says to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation the word world there is cosmos which is defined as world orders or world systems so it's saying go into the places where you have influence in your vocation but it also means the whole world and the earth and 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 one of the themes that you'll see through what i feel god's saying to us is the distinction between the world and our world and and impacting the world starts with impacting our world and i think that's what something of this was saying to them is actually go into the places where you have influence and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation so we we, we navigate with the people that we have influence we can't impact every single person in every single nation but we can impact those that are around us and reminded of the story of the starfish where the little boy's walking and he's picking up the starfish and he's throwing them and there's a whole bunch of starfish that's washed up onto shore some man says what are you doing he says no i'm throwing the starfish back and he says you will never impact all of them and he says but i impacted this one and i impacted that one and i think there's something of that as we work at a call is to actually recognize that it's our world in the world and that's how we how we see this come to fruition says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak in new tongues they will pick up serpents with their hands and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover i love when paul gets shipwrecked and he's busy collecting wood and this serpent bites him and he shakes it off and he carries on collecting wood now for the guys who were shipwrecked with him they must have been blown away but he stood firmly in the faith of a scripture like this here he's like this is here to distract me i'm not prepared to be distracted i'm going to stay true to the task at hand uh, so it, it will not hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover not they might recover we've got to be contending for people to be healed we've got to be contending to accompany these or allow these signs to accompany the words that we're speaking and this is this is part of the great commission matthew 28 16 to 20 and it says now the 11 disciples went to galilee to the mountain which jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and jesus came and said to them so just bear in mind this is the same account just from a slightly different perspective this is matthew speaking jesus said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the ends of the age so here it's it's go and make disciples of all nations the greek word for nations is ethnos which means ethnic groups so it's not just nations but it's actually all ethnic groups so i look at the area where we are and we are surrounded by a, a whole group of different ethnic groups we're not here to proclaim to those who are exactly like us but we're actually here to proclaim to everyone it says go for, therefore and make disciples we're not here to make converts we're here to make disciples disciples of who disciples of jesus we're not here to make disciples of ourselves we're here to point pick people to jesus and make disciples of jesus 
Luke and I were having uh, a long chat last week Sunday about the, this distinction of being saved and, and the gospel of salvation versus the gospel of the kingdom and how the gospel of the kingdom is more comprehensive than the gospel of salvation. We don't have Jesus as Savior. We have Jesus as Lord. And because he's Lord, he became Savior. But, but we want to get saved into something where, as new creations, we are gifted with an incredible purpose for the advancement of his kingdom. And it's about a king and a kingdom. It's not just about getting into heaven. Jesus didn't die for a location. He died to restore us in fellowship to the Father and then entrusted us to come back and to to lead a, an unbelieving world into a place where they get to know him too. And, and that's the mission and the mandate that we've got as the church. Then Acts 1, and, and this is again another account. This is Luke's account of the moment before Jesus ascends into heaven. It says, And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Again, they didn't fully understand what Jesus was doing and still had something of a temporal understanding of Jesus as king, thinking Jesus is going to come and rule and reign in government in Israel. So he's going to come and establish himself as king. Uh, they, the, Israel hadn't had a king for a number of years, and, and they thought Jesus was going to establish himself as king. But, but, but it was been this, and it was more than this. And Jesus says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. This is speaking of the ushering in of the end times. Then it says in verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you see, they were, they were in Jerusalem at the time. So you see this, this little kind of sphere of influence growing from where they were into Judea, into Samaria. Samaria, bearing in mind, was a place that, that Jews should not have gone. But you see Jesus, uh, I think it's in John 4, where it says there, and he had to go through to Samaria and that's where he encounters the woman at the well and there's an incredible transformation of that. He had to go. Why? Because he knew that he had a, a divine appointment that was orchestrated for him at, at the well so that he could connect with an entire community. But, but here it's speaking of not only going to the places that you like to go but even to the people that you don't want to go to and then obviously through to the ends of the earth. So there's this flow that we do where we are here to reach our community and that grows as our influence grows. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So what this is, what this is speaking of and why this is important, these were the final words that Jesus left with the disciples. Mark 16, Matthew 28, Acts 1. So in this, the we got to pay attention to what, because these were his final instructions. And, and some people might say, so how long do we do this for? How long should we be fulfilling the Great Commission? And Matthew 24, for me, speaks into how long do we do this for? And it says then, Matthew 24, 14, and this is the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Remember, the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of salvation, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And again, this is something, uh, let me test your memory. What is the Greek word for world in that scripture? You see, look at that. Eh? So, and, and again, there's a dual meaning in this. Oikimene means that the inhabited earth or the portion of the earth inhabited by the Greeks in distinction from the land of the barbarians or the Roman Empire and all the subjects of the empire. So what it's talking about is the area that they occupied. But it also means the whole inhabited, inhabited earth, the world and the universe and the world. So, so again, it speaks of their world and it speaks of the world. So I, I, I think I love the context of what Jesus is saying here because I think he's saying actually you've got to be a people who proclaim the gospel of the kingdom through your world into the world so that all nations will come to a place of knowing him. And it says when this is the, the whole world is a testimony to all nations then the end will come. So how long do we do this for? Until the end comes. So this never changes. This is the vision of the church. It never changes. That's the Great uh, Commission. Linked to the Great Commission is the Great Commandment. Matthew 22, and, uh, verse 37, and, his, and he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
remember all your heart, soul, uh, and your mind. Uh, one of the other uh, Gospels adds in strength as well. So your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual side of yourself. It says, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love your, yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we ought to be a people who love God and love people. <clears throat> so how do we fulfill the commandment? By loving God and loving people. And for us at NCMR, we've got a, a little slogan, for lack of a better term, that we've adopted. And that is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you want to sum up the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, it's to know Jesus and to make him known. Where? Everywhere. But we start here. It starts in, in our local church. So we do it through the local church and through translocal partnerships. Now, translocal is not a biblical term. It's a term that we as NCMI have, have adopted to try and define a biblical uh, outworking. And that is translocal is through the local. So, so how do we operate in our partnerships with Ephesians 4, fivefold gifting is through our local churches. And we link up, so, and we, we, we invite that kind of partnership in. So you'll see throughout the year, we will have translocal gifts coming into the church to equip us. And those translocal gifts will be people that we acknowledge have one of the, the fivefold gifts. So the fivefold gifting is you've got the apostle, you've got the uh, prophet, you've got the, the uh, evangelist, the pastor and the teacher and the way that it's easy to remember it so teachers your pinky finger if you want to get into someone's ear you take your pinky finger so that's the person that's in your ear is the teacher then you've got your ring finger is the relationship that's the pastor is relationship then you've got the your your longest finger which is your middle finger and that's the one that impacts first so that's the evangelist the evangelist is there to impact first and then from there you've got your pointing finger that's the prophet because the prophet brings in vision and direction and lastly you've got the apostle and the apostle's the one that helps grip and they often say that touches the, the rest of them so the apostle's the one that goes in and their responsibility is to bring foundations so if you look at the outworking of Ephesians 4, it says for the equipless for every good work. So what happens is we bring these invited gifts in so that we recognize the gift and their role is to equip us. And the desire is when a teacher is teaching, something of that grips our heart because we've got to be equipped to teach people. When an evangelist comes in, our desire is not for them to go and evangelize so we have people coming in, but the gift of evangelism to spark something in us and to equip us so that we can evangelize. So that we can go out and, and be an evangelist and fulfill the work of it. It doesn't mean that we have to fulfill the gift of an evangelist because their responsibility is to equip the saints. But we should be able to evangelize. We should be able to prophesy. Paul says, I will that you all prophesy. So how do we do that? We get people with a recognized gift to come in and to equip us so that we are more mature and we are united so that we can fulfill the, 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 the call over us as a local church. So we invite these gifts in and we've got a, a group of people that we will be calling in. We had Marcus that came in towards the end of the year and he ordained John onto our eldership. The gift of the translocal coming through. So that's how we operate is as the local church, through the local church, linked with other local churches for the advancement of the kingdom. Love Geordie from City Hill in Belito. He talks about neighbors to nations. And in Genesis over Abraham and over Isaac and over Jacob, you'll see it says, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then it goes on and says, through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. How do we want to reach nations? By reaching families. Again, it's our world, the world. And that distinction is a theme that I feel that God's calling us through as a church. And how do we do this? Well, as individuals, we operate through identity, through the Father, we get identity. Uh, when Jesus gets baptized and you hear the voice from heaven speak over him, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. Identity, acceptance and affirmation is things that God speaks over us. When Jesus goes through the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Again, identity, acceptance, affirmation. We get identity from the Father. Jesus, as we saw in Matthew 28, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me in in uh, matthew 10 he says and i give you authority to go out to uh, heal the sick cleanse the lepers cast out demons raise the dead you were given with uh you received without giving so go without without expectation to receive 
So he gives us authority. So we're going to be a people who walk in the authority from Jesus through the identity of the Father. And then Acts, as we saw earlier, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we're going to be a people that operate in power through the Holy Spirit. You want to see an effective church? Have a group of people that understand their identity, that walk in authority, and that operate in power. And you will see the culture around us transformed because of what God's doing. But many of us, one, we, we struggle with our identities. Two, we, we often attribute lack of authority to lack of faith. And how do, we, how do we make that distinction? Well, often we'll say, I've seen that person pray over someone and they were healed. So if you go to that person and they pray over you, you will be healed. So we acknowledge by the laying on of hands, there's an impartation that leads to healing. So we have faith for human hands to be laid on someone and healing to come. But what we do is the lack the authority to say, come to me, I'll lay my hands on you. Because I know that the instruction that's been given to me as a believer is you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's an authority thing. That's not a faith thing. And there's a different distinction. And then power. If we want to operate in power, the word power, the Greek word is dynamos, which means dynamite. We want to operate within the context of the Holy Spirit. And when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. But there's also baptism in the Spirit. And we're going to do a teaching on that soon as well. What does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? Because, and I love the distinction. Someone once said, um, if you drink water, water comes and dwells within you. But there's a difference between drinking water and having it dwell within you and going and diving in the ocean and being submerged in that water. And that's that distinction. We'll, we'll teach on that at some point. But we're going to be a people that walk in our identity, authority, and power. So that brings us from corporate, the bride of Christ vision, through to local vision and the outworking of this for us as a church. In the book of Revelation, when the churches are addressed seven times, at the end of every single one of the churches being addressed, there's the same sentence, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, and the Spirit called each church by name. So we've got to be a people who hear what the Spirit is saying to us as a church, and so that we can be obedient to it. And sometimes that's going to be, guys, you're doing a great job. Sometimes that's going to be, guys, you need, there's room for improvement here or there's serious room for improvement there. So we're going to be open to, to interpreting the cracks that we have. Because we don't, not one of us is perfect and therefore what we do is not perfect. And we're going to get vision for what God's speaking over us. So for me, our vision comes out of Jeremiah. There's a, a, quite a few scriptures, but firstly, Jeremiah 29.7. Now, Jeremiah 29.11 is a scripture that we all know, but 29.7, I think, is such a beautiful outworking of this. And it says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Our responsibility is to contend on behalf of the city that God has sent us into exile. If we find ourselves in the city, this is where he's placed us as believers. And linked to that is out of 2 Corinthians 5, where it says there that we are ambassadors of Christ and we carry the message of reconciliation. So we are here to seek the welfare of the city that God has placed us into exile. So we've got to make sure that our presence here, the people around us see an improvement because we've been here. Not because of us, but because of him working through us as the local church. But that's the responsibility that we have. So are we contending on behalf of our city? Are we contending on behalf of the people in our city? Are we praying on its behalf? Because it says, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, we'll find our welfare. And I found that for me, one of the things that often distracts me is I get so consumed with my own welfare, because times are tough, economy is taking strain, business is, is struggling, and, and, and so we start contending on behalf of our welfare, and we forget to contend on behalf of the welfare of our city. But God's saying, actually, that's your responsibility. And in that welfare, you will find your welfare. So we've got to be a people who look after specifically Tinley Manor and the greater North Coast. So the North Coast is, we, we're going to look all the way from Zanquazi all the way through, is, is the North Coast area that have been, has been entrusted to us. And, and what does that look like? Well, developing a base church. And, and what is a base church? Well, a base church is a place that loves people and we see people who are healed. So not just, just 
uh, unbelievers coming to Jesus and he doesn't make good people, I mean bad people good, he makes dead people alive. So we're trusting for, for salvations here, but we're also trusting that the wounded and the broken will find life and find hope and find restoration. I, I have been so heavy hearted in the last while at the pain that people are going through. The number of close friends who are hurting tremendously. Uh, just this last week, in the last, I think, probably 72 hours, I cannot tell you how my heart has been gripped with compassion over the lives of people. Because they're hurting. People are, we live in a fallen world and the enemy is rife. Jesus says that uh, he's come to bring life and life in abundance, but there's an enemy who is here to kill, steal and destroy. We've got to be a people who sow life and life in abundance. But it'll be a people who raise or recognize, raise and release leaders into the church and through the church. So why do I say through the church is not everyone who is recognized and, and raised up and released in this local body will remain here. We're going to be open handed with our people. And linked to that is we're going to be planting New Testament churches. We've got to be reaching the nations. Um, I've got two trips to Kenya this year. Uh, my first one's in July. The dates are going to be available on the calendar. If anyone wants to come with me, it's a great opportunity. Shanae's dad looks after the Kenyan region from an NCMI perspective and ministry in there. I look after a region of a couple of cities that, that's responsibility, which means it's our responsibility as a church. And, and I'm going to be doing a trip there in July. And then in, in October, we are going to be doing a trip into another part of Kenya with, with Henny and the team as well. But that's a great opportunity for us to get involved. Um, I was chatting to Kia Taylor a couple of weeks ago and they're doing another trip into the Makatini Flats. That's two and a half hours north of us. Uh, I think that's also end of May, beginning of June. I'm going to look and seeing if we can't link up with that. At one stage there was talk as well of potentially getting some off-road motorbikes and going into some of the more lo uh, remote locations by, by motorbikes. So I might get a couple of guys with bikes as well to come and join us. But I want to link up with that. That's through Outlook Church in Richards Bay. So it doesn't mean that we have to spearhead it, but we want to align with these things. And that will be for a couple of days that we can go through there. And if anyone is available, it's a, a good trip for us to kind of find our feet in what it means to do apostolic ministry. And we're just going to go and serve the community. We're going to go speak into the local churches. We've got a great relationships with the guys there and good partnerships so we go there and whether we have opportunity to preach or we get to serve lunch it makes no difference it's a great time for us to be in the community and and one of my highlights in those times is getting to play with kids it's amazing how you can just experience life with kids and and I've also seen there's a shift in anointing that takes place. So we get to pray over the sick. I, I cannot tell you the incredible things that we've seen uh, going into the nations and, and having opportunity to pray over people and just trust with them. So we'll share the, the details of that. And then John's going to be looking at going into the UK this year as well. And we're trusting for him to find open doors that that can be a region that we can go as a church as well and start traveling into that place so that we can meet with the guys and go blow wind in their sails and, and lift them up in the, in the process. The next thing is sites and, and, I trust, and this is not for this year, but this is for us as a church, is that we will be planting sites, that we will be planting adventure church sites immediately. One of the places that I have in my heart is uh, Sharkers Kroll, that we'll potentially set up a venue there and have a service going there, that we'll have one eldership team, but distributed at multiple venues. And another one is, and John still mentioned it, I think this morning to you, Kelly, is uh, Zinkwazi. We were looking at that as a, uh, I don't know when, how, uh, but I know it's on John's heart, so uh, let's see how that comes about. And just to make the distinction quickly, the difference between a church plant and a church site, a church plant is the vision of, the, uh, of a couple, the church site is the vision of the eldership team. So if a couple has a place on their hearts, and even if it is one of these regions that we're looking at contending for, if they come and say, guys, we feel there's a church planting over our, us, there's a call of that, and we have a region that we feel that God wants to entrust to us, we come alongside you and we release you and we will do whatever we can, whether it's releasing people, and as you can see, we don't have a lot of them at the moment, but, 
But for me, we've got to be open-handed with our people. And, and if you have to go with a team of people, we want to release you with a team of people. We want to release resources and whatever we can do to support that so that you don't do that alone, but that you can walk out that vision that God has given you. We're looking through kingdom business and kingdom strategy and the impact of that. I spoke about uh, our business breakfast. That is a key meeting for us. And, and we trust God has placed us in a location with so many owner-run businesses. I run my own business. John runs his own business. Even here, we've got a bunch of, of business owners amongst us. There's something of that call over us as a local church. And we want to be impacting businesses to align to kingdom business so that asked one day that kingdom business will be able to resource revival because often revival they don't have the resources to sustain it but if kingdom business understands that we are operating for a kingdom king and nothing belongs to us we will be able to resource it we're trusting to see various ministries come about and we've already got the youth we've got the moms group we, we've got um, the business breakfast we've got children's ministry but I'm trusting that even in that we will see life groups we'll see prayer meetings friend of mine who leads City Life Church out in Amschlange, uh, he has, and, and I'll be doing a message on this possibly next week, on, on, on expounding on this, but he talks about how do you know whether a ministry is something that you should be doing as a church, is does it prepare the bride, does it make disciples, does it facilitate planting New Testament churches, does it train and release leaders, does it equip the, the, the priesthood, and does it win the lost? If it can tick a bunch of those boxes, then we know what we're doing something that's going to advance the kingdom we don't want to have ministries to tick a box to say we've got that ministry and that's what makes us a local church we want to have ministries because we see the outworking of those ministries is just transform the area that we're working into so i want to end off with this and this these are some of the focal points for us as our local church for this year and first and foremost i feel god's calling us to a place of defined faith i was watching um christopher robin the other day with ewan mcgregor and, and he's talking to Winnie the Pooh, and, and, and Pooh makes a statement. She says, people say that nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. <laughs> and, and, and obviously completely missing this, but, but for us, we operate out of a place that Jesus says in Matthew 19, it says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And there's a couple of areas where I feel they're going to need defiant faith this year. Defiant faith is not to defy God with our faith, but to defy what people say is, is possible with our faith because we're going to see the impossible realized. And, and firstly, I really have it for people and for families. And, and there's a, a specifically one for hurting people and two for lost people. But I'm trusting that we're going to see people and relationships that are hurting come to a place of restoration. We're going to see that, that those who are, are battling terminal illnesses come to a place of healing. Uh, I, I just have a sense that we're going to have to stand firm in our faith this year for that. We're going to see people that we would never have dreamed of getting saved come and walk into the fullness of the, the, the call that God has over their lives. I, I was chatting to a lady at the picnic this week. And um, I was sharing a story of a friend of mine who, going back a number of years, this guy was a rough guy. I mean, he was a bouncer. He, he was a, a drug dealer. He was quite a, he was a hardcore individual. And he came out of his bedroom one morning and he was sobbing. And his wife went absolutely cold because the last time he walked out of her room sobbing, he put a gun in her mouth and, and tried to kill her. So she just froze in fear. And he fell to the floor in front of her in tears and said, I've just had an encounter with Jesus. That couple planted a church in Secunda. They've just released that church. They've transitioned it. They've now taken over a church in the States. It took a moment in his bedroom to encounter the king and something shifted. I want to trust for people that those who seem unlovable, those who seem too lost, that those who seem that their life is too hopeless to find any resolve, I want, to I want to trust that they have an encounter with our king. I want to trust that we're going to see an influx of Muslim and Hindu people into our church over this year. I want to trust that we're going to see Sangomas come into, into our church. A friend of mine shared a, a story of a, how they went and prayed with a Sangoma in one of the rural areas in northern KZN. And he went and straight after they prayed with him, 
He went and he ripped off the stuff from his walls. He started digging the stuff out of the, the thatch in his roof and he started burning it saying, I cannot associate with this stuff anymore. He took his entire livelihood and he burnt it to the ground because it did not align with the king and his kingdom. Guys, we're going to need a defined faith. We're going to need a defined faith over our venue. You're going to know that we've bought a piece of residential ground that we have no commitment that we can meet on as a local church. And I, I'm trusting that we're going to find pushback from the local municipality because God's given us incredible big rock promises over it. So I'm trusting that they're going to tell us you can't meet there. And we're going to have to go through a process of explaining to them why we can meet there and see breakthrough in that area. I, I don't know how we're going to afford it. So the fact that we've bought a, a venue and it hasn't cost us a cent already is, I don't think we realize how divine a miracle that is. The fact that we were praying, Shanae, the girls and I were sitting on the hill internally the day that that property came on the market, praying over the land, saying, Lord, reveal a, a piece of land to us. And my mom phones and says, there's a piece of property that's just come on the market. Phone them now. I phoned them. We were the first people. And you have no idea. They had to take it off the market the following day because they had too many phone calls over that piece of property. But they secured it for us. But are we going to be a people of defiant faith with regards to... Finance, legislation, community, opposition. Um, we're going to be facing spiritual opposition coming into this land because we are planting a lamppost and the enemy doesn't want lampposts here. So we've got to be defiant in our faith. Secondly, we've got to acknowledge the majesty of Jesus. Guys, it's all about our king. And, and, and we can have incredible strategies. We can desire buildings. We can, if, if we are not in love with Jesus... We're going to have a problem and we're going to acknowledge the majesty of our king. And, and how do we do this? Well, I, I just want to have a, focal, a focus this year on word, worship and prayer. Learning with him, exalting him and speaking to him. That, that, that's something that's going to be key in how we do things. Word, worship and prayer is vital in what we're doing. Then we're going to obey his instruction in the world and in our world. It's amazing how often we have faith for the world, but we don't have faith for our world. So we'll have faith that God can end the war in between Russia and Ukraine, but we don't have faith that our debit orders can go through at the end of the month. So that, that one, our world is, is hectic, but the world we've got faith for. Now, I feel God's going to transform our world so he can transform the world. And we're going to be people who obey his instruction in the world and, and through our world into the world. Um... And we're going to be a people that are going to possess the land this year, recognizing that it is currently occupied by someone else. And as with that scripture with Joshua sitting on the, the hills of Jericho, I'm trusting that we're going to have an encounter with our king where he gives us a strategy that is going to bring down the walls and the spiritual strongholds over the land that we are here to possess. Second last point, guys, I'm going to finish shortly, is gratitude. Jesus, when... He took the loaves and, and the fish. He said he broke it and he gave, he gave thanks. And we have to have an attitude of gratitude. I actually had attitude of thanksgiving. I don't know why I changed it because attitude of gratitude sounds funny. But, but we need a, an attitude of gratitude where we take, take what we've got and give thanks for it. And it's amazing when he speaks to Philip in that parable, not parable in that, in the Gospels, and he says, what do we have? And Philip says, Lord, do you know how much we need? This is going to cost us like a year's worth of wages. That wasn't the question of what do we need? The question is, what do you have? And if we're going to be a people of defined faith, we can't focus on what we need. We're going to focus on what we have. We're going to give thanks for it because what we have is more than enough to fulfill what we need to do. Because when Jesus calls us to something, he funds the call. And he doesn't fund just financially. He equips us. He releases things over us. He's going to give us the anointing to do what he's called us to do. But we're going to feel in everything that we do that we're going to lack. And that's because he's called us outside of the realm of our possibility. So when I phone that estate agent knowing I don't have a cent to put down on that land and the advert was cash only, we phoned them and said, we want that piece of property. Within, JCD, I think it was 24 hours, we had a commitment for the, for the million rand to go down on the property in cash. It's not, it's not us, it's God. 
But if we had looked at it and said, do you know what we need? We would never have made that phone call in the first place. But it's, Lord, what do we have? for <laughs> this year. But thank you that we've got this. And, and I know for me, this is, this is a real personal one because um, I felt God rebuked me on this towards the end of last year where I became a Philip in constantly going to him and telling him what we need. And I lost the gratefulness of what we've got. And, and for me in my own business, something shifted where every time I invoice someone, I pray over them and I'm praying over their business. Now, I don't do a lot of invoices every month because so it's not like we're doing hundreds. Uh, fortunately, I only do a couple of invoices. But, but, but when I do my calculations and I look at the customers that we've got, God's convicted my heart to lift them up and pray over them and give thanks for the fact that something's coming in. And, and it's not about what we need, but it's about what we've got. And this is a big one. And then linked to this is we're going to be a generous people in all seasons. And I'm trusting we're going to raise the bar in generosity. Not because we've got excess, but because God's called us to. And I remember as we arrived here, I was actually traveling around the traffic circle between Lifestyle and Food Lovers Market. And we had moved here. I didn't know where income was coming from, so I wasn't 100% sure how we were going to survive. And I started looking, how do we downscale our monthly commitments? And in the fickleness of my heart, one of the first things that I started looking at was generosity. I thought, how do we be less generous people? And I felt God clearly say to me, the Bible does not give seasons for generosity. Um, we were looking at it um, in Deuteronomy this week with regards to how the seven-year cancelling of debt, and every seven years they would cancel the debt amongst the Israelites. And, and I, I looked at it and I thought, sure. And then God challenges them and he says, if you know that we are getting close to the seven years, don't stop being generous for fear that you're going to have to cancel that debt. He gave them an instruction. It was quite a harsh instruction. They're saying, don't think, oh, I'm a couple of months away from the seven years. So if I lend this money now, I know that the person who borrowed it is going to have that, that debt written off in a couple of months' time. He says, don't stop being open-handed and generous. And, and I trust that us as a church, although we are small, that we are going to be a generous people. We're going to be a people that are generous with our resources. We're going to be a people who are generous with our time. We're going to be a people who are, are generous with our people. So, like I say, if someone steps up and says, guys, I've got this burning desire to go plant a church on my heart. And if you do, there's church planters training coming up soon. Come through and, let, and let's, let's be involved with it. We're going to go, Shanae and I are going to do it again. Um, always good to learn. But it's church planters training for anyone who is keen to do it. But, but I'm trusting that even though we are small in, in size, that we will continually operate out of a place of bigness, knowing that God's given us more than enough for the advancement of his kingdom. And then if we have to release people, we release people because it's amazing that every time we've released people from here, people have joined us out of the blue. And I don't know how it works, but the Bible's clear that Jesus builds his church and you have threatened people behind the scenes. That if you leave, you've got to make sure that you, re you replace yourselves with, with more than what you were. But, but God is doing what God is doing. And what a privilege it is for us to be aligned with it. Are there any questions? Anything that you want clarity on? Before I close in prayer.